0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller podcast, part of the Informed Traveller radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveller. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Sure seems there's a lot of people that just can't wait to start travelling again. And when we can, the folks from Athens, Greece would love for you to come spend a few days there. So a bit later in the podcast, we'll learn about what there is to see and do in Athens... It's also been a while since we got an update on how the winter has been in Banff, Alberta. So we'll chat with the folks from Charlton Resorts who operate Charleston's Banff and Delta Banff Royal Canadian Lodge. But first, we're going to start things out this week talking about the concept of travel shaming. One of our regular guests, Eric Bowman, the executive editor for Travel Pulse, recently posted a podcast talking about travel shaming and the rise in travel shaming during the pandemic. You can hear the podcast on the Travel Pulse website, TravelPulse.com. And Eric Bowman joins us now to talk about it further. Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, I enjoyed your recent podcast uh, talking about travel shaming, one of the topics on there. Uh, And I wanted to explore that a little bit further because I think we're seeing more and more of it. You uh, touched on it in your podcast uh, with a couple of uh, experts you had on there. Uh, In your mind, what is travel shaming, though, just for a definition?
1: Uh, Well, it's taken on kind of a new meaning here in the pandemic. So I think the main focus of travel shaming right now is just shaming or ridiculing anyone who is doing any sort of traveling at all because we are in a a global pandemic. But I mean, there are plenty of people out there who still feel comfortable to travel and still feel it's safe, you know, with the different uh, enhanced uh, cleaning and health and safety protocols Mm. that have been put in place by the travel industry.
0: Well, I think we saw a little bit of it with the environmental movement, uh, travel shaming people about, you know, places they visited. It's bad for the environment. But it wasn't to the degree that we're seeing during this pandemic. And I, and uh, is it kind of like a human nature thing? You're doing something that I can't do, so shame on you.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a little bit of that. Some people are probably, there's a little bit of jealousy behind some of that stuff, for sure. Uh, just because they wish that, you know, that maybe they had the means to get out there. And I think some other people just, some people just want to be negative. That's just their... That's just how they are, unfortunately.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's a bit of a different scenario. You're in the United States. Uh, It's a little bit different in Canada versus the U.S. We have different rules in the U.S. I think it's a little bit more stricter, although uh, from what I read that the U.S. is catching up. As far as uh, people coming into Canada, you have to have negative tests. You got to quarantine. You got to do this and that. So the government here is is kind of making it a little bit more difficult. Although before that, like back in the fall and the summer when people were traveling, there was a lot of that uh, travel shaming going on. Do you have some examples uh, of in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, I think here in the U.S., you know, a lot of people that are traveling aren't going to be as vocal about it because of for fear of that some people aren't going to be posting on social media that they're going um, unless it's to like their specific close friends Uh, you might see maybe like one picture or something like that but I think that's where the bulk of a lot of people who are worried about that are coming through but some people aren't concerned about it at all and then they'll they'll post up on social media and that's I think where the bulk of travel shaming is going on too and we're also seeing unfortunately uh, travel advisors are shaming other travel advisors who are out there selling travel right now and you know, just trying to run their business, live their daily life, that targeting people who do want to travel and trying to make money because it's been a struggle this last year, as everybody knows. So mm. a, that's a different side of the travel shaming, too, that we talked a little bit about on the podcast.
0: Yeah. And how are uh, tour operators responding to this, too, to this as well?
1: Yeah, some tour operators have kind of just changed their model a little bit. Uh, G Adventures actually just uh, released this past week that they are putting up um, tours around the USA which they didn't really have as a big thing. Obviously, they're more focused on global, but as far as, you know, how they're reacting to travel shaming, I think some of them really aren't. They're trying to put distance themselves from that and not really address that and just focus on, you know, targeting the people who do want to travel and mm. focus on them and, and go from there.
0: I guess it, de- yeah, it depends on where you're traveling to because the the counter argument to that right. is support local, so you travel locally and support your local hotels and restaurants and and, and, des- and activities and destinations there, but don't venture too far <laughs> kind of idea, right? Right, yeah. I think
1: some people want to, you know, put this focus on a staycation. So you might, you know, drive two, three hours and hit the coast if you live on a, you know, in a state or an area that is near the coast, if you're trying to get somewhere warm. And obviously in Canada there, it's a bit difficult for you guys since, you know, the, the, uh, the, the rules that just came out, you know, recently about I can't go to Canada or mm. can't go to the Caribbean or Mexico, excuse me.
0: So, mm. that's, yeah, that's a tough one there. Looking down the road, six months, let's say, uh, the travel restrictions are, are being lifted and people are vaccinated. Do you think this will just go away or is it, is it to some degree it's always going to be there?
1: Yeah, I think, I think a good bit of it will go away. I think the people who just want to be negative or, or jealous or, you know, the haters, if you will. Um, I think that that'll, they'll still be there in some capacity, but I don't think it'll be as big as it's really grown in the, in the past six months about, you know, just outright shaming people for going about their daily lives on things. So, yeah, six months from now, you know, like you said, when people have the vaccine and we can get out and restrictions are lifted, I, I think that'll
0: um, die down a little bit. The old adage, if you have nothing nice to say... Don't say anything at all, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Eric Bowman is the executive editor with Travel Pulse. You can find the podcast on the Travel Pulse website, travelpulse.com. Uh, always uh, fun to chat with you, Eric. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, man. Have a good Have a good one. Sure.
0: Well, it's been a while since we got an update on how the winter has been going for the hotels in Banff, Alberta, so I thought we'd get an idea with the folks from Charlton Resorts who operate Charlton's Banff and the Banff Royal Canadian Lodge. So joining us now to do that is Alicia Charlton. She's the corporate manager for Charlton Resorts. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Randy. Tell me the story of Charlton Resorts. I think people that have been to Banff probably recognize the the brands, but uh, just give me a story, a quick story of how it all began.
2: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, Charlton Resorts is a Banff family-run business for three generations. The business itself uh, started out about 1949 uh, with um, Grace and Elmer Charlton, who uh, built what was then called the Charlton Cedar Court. And at the time, it was actually the first year-round accommodation in Banff. Really? Yeah, all the other hotels were only open in the summer months. So Mm -hmm. they were pioneers in that area and had the hotel open year-round. And then from then on... uh, Starting about 1966, my mother and father-in-law, Gary and Linda Charlton, took over, expanded. You know, eventually they opened a second hotel, which was called the Charlton's Evergreen Court. So these hotels have been around, these two hotels are around quite a long time in Ban- going in Vance history. And a lot of people be familiar coming as kids and with their parents. Mm-hmm. and Now they come with their kids and their parents. So we have a lot of those type of guests. Um, And then today, we we still own and operate these two hotels, but they're now called the Royal Canadian Lodge and the Charlton's Hotel. And they're still family-run, so it's pretty special.
0: Yeah, so how do the two complement each other? I've been on uh, both websites. One is royalcanadianlodge.com, and the other one is charltonsbamp.com. They're kind of different in what they offer, though, right?
2: Exactly. There definitely are two different um, offerings, for different type of traveler. So we'll start maybe with the Royal Canadian Lodge. Mm-hmm. It is, um, well, I describe this hotel as like a boutique luxury experience. It has 99 rooms in the hotel. Um, so we have a big stone fireplace in the lobby when you come in. We have a nice lobby lounge. Um, the hotel has large spacious guest rooms and suites. Some of our suites have fireplaces um, and, and luxury touches really throughout um, you know, we've taken a lot of care and attention into the details throughout our property. Mm. Uh, we take we take quite a bit of pride in that. We we know everything that goes on in the hotels, you could say. Um, and actually, we recently renovated all the guest rooms at the Royal Canadian Lodge. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the, the guest rooms all feature beautiful made-in-Canada furniture, uh, luxury finishings throughout uh, the room. So it's, it's a really something for everyone. So whether you're like on a romantic trip and you want that fireplace suite with the big jacuzzi tub, we have that. Or you're coming out with, um, you know, two friends or whatnot. We have the two beds in the rooms and we have suites for that as well. And we have just standard rooms if you're traveling alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the hotel has a... Beautiful, relaxing pool um, and a hot tub area, so it's great for Apri Ski. Unfortunately, it's closed right now due to the Mm -hmm. the restrictions, but when it opens back up, it's a great spot for uh, after Apri Ski activities or being outside. Uh, We also have an in-house spa called the Grotto Spa, and that is open right now and taking appointments. Excellent. Um, yeah.
0: The one thing I liked about, I did, I have stayed there. Um, as soon as you step out the door, you're pretty much in the, in the heart of the the town.
2: Yes. It's a great location. So it's a, Less than 10 minute walk to downtown Banff. So it's a beautiful location off the busy strip. So you're quieting them in the evening time and you have a nice quiet mountain sleep with that fresh air and, and no noise. But you are easy walk into town or you could hop on one of the buses that goes throughout town.
0: Let's talk about Charlton's Banff now. The website there, com. Yes. Uh,
2: Charlton's Banff is a unique hotel. Um, I would say describe it as a home base, maybe for your time exploring vans or it's more of like a home away from home option. It's an uncomplicated hotel. It's very well kept, well equipped, and has a very kind of friendly, welcoming vibe. Uh, what makes it unique would maybe be our large variety of room types. So we have fireplace suites. We have loft suites. We have kitchen suites, and we have a newly built third floor, which we opened last year, and it has spectacular views of the mountains and modern amenities and all the luxury decor you expect from a a new hotel.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the kitchenette suites. I think some people, when they have a a larger group or family or whatever, it's kind of nice to have that if they uh, want to cook a a quick breakfast or something in their own uh, suite, they can do that, right?
2: Exactly. And The kitchen suites are really a great family room or a group of friends traveling together because we have two separate sleeping areas. We've got two twin beds and then a queen bed. So you have a kitchen in the middle. So it's great for people traveling with kids. I know who that is. Sometimes you just, you can't go out to eat. It's too much trouble, right? Mm. So you want to order in or make breakfast in the room. There's a fridge. There's full cooking facilities in the room. Um, So it's really nice, especially in the time that we're in right now. You know, a lot of people are more comfortable staying in their room and staying to themselves. So the kitchen suites are a great option there.
0: Uh, some of the feedback we heard over the summer was uh, the season wasn't as bad as expected uh, for visitors. What's the winter season been like in Banff?
2: Well, it's definitely been a lot quieter than we're used to. Um, we have had some busy spurts on weekends. Weekends tend to fill up a bit more. But overall, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely slower than what we're used to because we don't have any international travel. We don't have any of our tour groups in. So, I mean, in a sense, it's a great time to come and have the place to yourself in town <laughs> and be able to you know there's no lineups anywhere there's there's going to be no crowds uh, like maybe you had been used to in past but um you know it, it's a good time because there's also some really great offers out there right now
0: uh, now are both uh, hotels operating at full capacity or are you restricted in that sense
2: Right now, we are open at full capacity, with the exception of of course, our pools are not open mm-hmm. due to the restrictions, but our restaurant just recently opened again, which I will tell you about in a moment, um, but overall, we are full capacity um, we haven't been filling up to full capacity so
0: and what and so what should people know uh, if they're checking into uh, your resorts?
2: Well, obviously, we take our guest health and safety as number one priority. We are following all the measures uh, recommended by uh, Alberta Health Services and whatnot. So all of our staff complete screening before each shift, and they we follow strict protocols for sanitization and PPE throughout our hotels. Um, we ask that all mask, masks are required in all indoor spaces in Bamps actually. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, people wear them in in the hotel when they're entering in the lobby. Uh, you know, moving throughout the the property is uh, what we've asked. Social distancing is being practiced in the lobby with indication markers, you know, things that people have become used to. Yeah, um, I think it's it's pretty expected, but, you know, obviously it's a priority for us and uh, we want to make sure our guests feel safe and feel that we are making the effort, but also feel really welcome. You know, that's number one priority.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course uh, masks uh, around the the town of Banff as well and when you're uh, entering restaurants and stores and those types of things. Anything else yeah. that people should know about, the, about Banff, about just different protocols or what they should know?
2: Yeah, well, Banff has, right now we have a mask bylaw for some of our main streets outdoors and, of course, all indoor public spaces. But there's many places, of course, in Banff where you are around nobody, where you don't have to wear a mask and you can be out in the fresh air and keep your distance from people. So there's lots of opportunity in in both areas to explore and, and feel like you have all the space in
0: the world. That's what's so great about Banff National Park. Anything I missed that you might want to add? I also want to
2: talk about our restaurant. We just opened back up on February 10th, and I would describe it as an elegant yet approachable dining experience. It um, has a beautiful fireplace and an open kitchen concept. Uh, we have an incredible culinary team uh, led by our executive chef, Max Charbonneau, and uh, we really take pride in, in our menu at this restaurant. So it's, it's a smaller restaurant but with a fabulous menu where we make almost everything from scratch. Um it's, it's a little bit of a hidden gem in Banff. We do have a great local following, but a lot of people don't realize that there's a fabulous restaurant located in our, our Royal Canadian Lodge. And we do deliver to our Charlton's Banff Hotel free delivery for in-room dining. And we also have uh, happy hour daily in the lounge from 4 to 7 p.m.
0: Everyone likes happy hour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia Charlton is the corporate manager for Charlton Resorts. Uh, information on both their websites, uh, RoyalCanadianLodge.com and CharltonsBAMP.com. It was uh, fun chatting with you, Alicia. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and we look forward to welcoming people to BAMP when they feel it's the right time for them.
0: Well, it sure seems that a lot of people just can't wait to start traveling again. And when we can, the folks from Athens, Greece would love for you to come and spend a few days there. So to share with us about what there is to see and do in Athens, we're very pleased to be joined now by Vangelis Vlacos. He is the CEO of the Athens Development and Destination Management Agency. Their website is Athens.org. Let's start with uh, just some basics. How big of a city is Athens in terms of population?
3: Okay, the population of Athens is uh, around uh, four million uh, people, but you know this uh, this changes depending uh, the visitors and of course you know people that uh, come, work and then uh, go go away again. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's not uh, it's not a standard uh, amount of people.
0: How popular is it for Canadians to visit? Let's talk about pre-pandemic times. Uh, Under a normal year, how many Canadians would visit uh, Athens?
3: Well, actually, in 2019, there were almost 160,000 Canadian passengers coming to Athens. And in Greece, uh, there were twice twice as many, almost uh, 320,000, according to the Bank of Greece. So it's you know it's a very a very interesting uh population for us.
0: And I would assume if people are going to spend the the time to to explore Greece Athens would be sort of a stop over the first place the, the the major hub that people would uh, use to explore first or last depending on uh, where their uh what their tour is through Greece right?
3: Mhm exactly exactly uh, we're working hard you know to to uh, make a statement that Athens is uh, all year round destination, and uh, uh, we are targeting in the Canadians, uh, as we already uh, said, uh, they are on the top ten of uh, our arrival to, to our airport. And uh, I'd like to be honest with you: Canadians are great travelers. Uh, uh, they're curious, they're friendly, they're very respectful as guests, and. You know, like every other city in the world, uh, we also want to have Canadian visitors uh, here with us. Uh, I know that there is, you know, there is a a, a severe distance uh, between Greece and Canada, but uh, we want to ask you to stay more nights in Athens and to discover the city in your own terms. So, you know, if if you're coming during the summer, we want to welcome you before you go to the islands or you have a few days to say... Uh, bon voyage before you're leaving. Uh, so, uh, yes, even if, if Athens is the first or the last stop, we'd like you know to be included in your uh, visit to Greece. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there, there's so much history behind, uh, well, Greece and Athens. Uh, you can find lots of information. If you're planning a trip, I guess a good place to start is your website. This is Athens.org. Uh, if I'm mm-hmm. what's the best way to see Athens I know that's a loaded question <laughs> and we have limited time but if you're spending I don't know three or four days in Athens and you want to cover most of it uh, what's the best way to do that
3: uh, well you know Athens has some of the most famous monuments in the world but we want people to explore the city beyond the Acropolis. Athens is diverse it's dynamic it's energetic it's a very big city with more than 4 million, million people as as we said and it's Alive and full of excitement, amazing food, and a rich creative uh, life. So, uh, we don't, you, don't, you don't usually, uh, you don't necessarily need to have a schedule before you arrive because Athens, the city itself, encourages you to to relax. Uh, It's a very walkable city. Uh, we have one of the best prominence in the world, uh, surrounded by uh, archaeological sites and historical monuments. Uh, there are so so many things to do that you know you'll never get bored and uh since you mentioned uh this is athens org uh, this is our official city guide to the city of athens uh, a web portal that aims to show the city in a light that visitors might not expect
0: so you mentioned uh, it's pretty easy to get around it's very walkable, but how easy is it to explore uh, say I don't know. Taking a, a couple of walking tours, or even with public transportation.
3: Well, the the network the network of the public transportation is uh, very updated, and you know it's very easy to access uh, uh, the whole of the city and even the suburbs. You know, uh, there's. Uh, there are great beaches and, you know, very great places to, to enjoy the sunshine just uh, in less than 30 minutes from the center of the city. Uh, so you can practically reach uh, uh, every place of, uh, of Athens in, uh, in only 30 minutes. Uh, and the choices are uncountable.
0: Again, I'm looking at your website. Uh, this is Athens.org. Uh, I understand there's six different neighborhoods. Tell me about the historic center.
3: Well, uh, you know there are many highlights that one can uh, can do while visiting the, the historic center. There are dozens of museums, and you know some are the most uh, most of the famous of the most famous in the world, uh, like the National Archaeological Museum, uh, the Museum of Acropolis or the Museum of the Cycladic Art. Uh, you can get creative you know, all the words that have uh, all of the or- or uh, included were invented here geometry, democracy, democracy, astrology, uh, astronomy philosophy uh, and you know, now we have a, a wave of talent creatives that are drawing international attention de- uh, to Greek fashion and design brands uh, there is history and culture uh, areas, uh, an open-air school where Aristotle taught philosophy or, uh, you know, uh, you yourself, what an ancient green drama in a restored uh, amphitheater. Uh, there are, uh, alongside the World Heritage Monuments and magnificent museums, uh, featuring arts, festivals, outdoor cinemas, and, and ever-changing caravans or street art. Uh, there's so many things. You know, I can
0: I I can talk for hours. <laughs> I know that's the that's the trouble when time is our is our enemy here. Um, you have an, uh one program that's on your website. This is Athens uh, dot is explore with a local. I think that would be probably the best way. If you have a local uh, guiding your hand, uh, that would uh, solve a lot of issues. I would think right.
3: Yes, uh, we have two, you know, two, two major things uh, that I'd like to, to highlight in our, in our uh, portal. First of all, the, the initiative you mentioned with the locals, uh, we have uh, created a platform through which uh, the potential visitors can uh, actually uh, choose one from uh, our uh, members and, you know, uh, take a walk with one of the locals in uh, one of the neighborhoods of Athens. And the, the thing is that uh, it's not, you know, uh, it's, it's a walk to, to meet uh, neighborhoods that uh, it's not very easy to find your own. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, and the, and the basic advantage is that you, you get to feel the energy of the city and to feel like a local yourself. And uh, if I'm allowed, the second thing I'd like to, to highlight, you mm-hmm. know, in, uh, generally speaking about our portal, is that we have journalists writing stories to show what is going on in Athens, and we have a calendar of events designed with what visitors might have in mind. And we're also are providing updates on safety protocols that are relevant to the expat and digital normal community.
0: Food is always a big thing. I imagine the food is incredible in Athens.
3: Some of the best foods in Athens uh, is the simplest because it's fresh. Uh, in Greek cooking, in Greek cooking, we like to let the ingredients speak. So you know, imagination uh, works, and the result is is magnificent uh, for the lucky ones to to taste. Uh, there are some things you find almost everywhere in Athens, from grilled fish, fried calamari, tomatoes, and uh, Pepper stuffed with spices, and, of course, the famous Greek salad, which is almost everywhere, you know, to find, mm-hmm. but you never get sick of it.
0: Okay, one tip that I need to know um, when visiting Athens.
3: I'd say that the one thing, the best thing to do is, you know, to, to come without have, uh, without, have, without making any plans. Just let yourself uh, feel the vibes of the city and uh, uh, decide where to go, where to visit, just by following your instincts.
0: Vangelis Lakos is the CEO of the Athens Development and Destination Management Agency. You can find lots of information on their website, thisisathens.org. It was a uh, pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to, to talk to your audience.
0: And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.